Welcome to Friends and Fiction, four New York Times bestselling authors, endless stories. Novelists Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson Harvey, and Patty Callahan Henry are four longtime friends with more than 70 published books between them. Together, they host Friends and Fiction with author interviews and fascinating insider talk about publishing and writing to highlight and support independent bookstores. They discuss the books they've written, the books they're reading now, and the art of storytelling. If you love books and you're curious about the writing world, you're in the right place. Hello, everyone. It's time for Friends in Fiction. We are really looking forward to tonight, so let's get started. I'm Christy Woodson-Harvey. I'm Patty Callahan-Henry. I'm Mary Kay Andrews. I'm Kristen Harmel. And this is Friends in Fiction, for New York Times bestselling authors, endless stories to support independent bookstores, authors, and librarians. Tonight, because of some scheduling conflicts, we are pre-taping this episode, but don't worry, it's going to be amazing because we are so excited to be welcoming the fabulous Sonali Dev, author of The Vibrant Years. So get ready for a great night. I'm ready. It's weird to say get ready for a great night when we're sitting here in the middle of the day, right? Because Sonali's in Italy and it is night yes. for her. So cool. We, we do the best we can. So on top of watching the show, have you all been listening to our Writer's Block Friday podcast? If not, you are really missing out on some of the most powerful conversations about writing, about publishing, about story, even songwriting and memoirs. We'll always post links under episodes each Friday when a new one drops. For our most recent episode, to start the year off with a bang, Ron and Christy talked to Megan Taylor of All She Wrote Notes. They talked about her books, her business, about revisiting goal setting, which we talked about on the show last week, in a way that works for you, because we all do it so differently. And then coming this Friday, Ron and I talked to Armando Lucas Correa this week about his newest historical fiction, The Night Travelers. Y'all, I texted all the ladies when we finished the interview that comes out this week, and he is something special. You do not want to miss it. So listen, review, subscribe, and tell a friend if you like what you hear. And don't forget that our new Friends in Fiction first edition subscription is available now from the indie bookstore Booktown in Manasquan, New Jersey, and features signed hardback first edition first editions <laughs> from each of the Fab Four in 2023, and a Friends in Fiction kitchen towel that says "Dinner can wait." It's time for Friends in Fiction. You can order from them right now at Booktown with an e on the end dot com. That's book dot booktown.com i can't do this if i'm not drinking wine y'all <laughs> it's like your stabilizer exactly. I know. that's hilarious also, i know right we also want to remind you that we are switching books over in our fable behind the book book club too so every month over on the fable app we pick a different book we think you'll love and we read it all together so last month's was louise penny's a world of curiosities which was so fun to discuss there was so much to unpack there this month, we are bringing you a favorite guest from late November, Kevin Wilson, whose now is not the time to panic, has been talked about a lot over on the Friends in Fiction page. So head on over to the Fable app to dive into our discussion of the book, led by our very own Patty. And if you are not a member yet, just go to fable.co backslash friends and fiction to find out more. 
All right, ladies. Well, I'm, we're hearing that um, Sonali is having a little bit of an audio issue, but we're going to go ahead and introduce her. And um, if she can't make it in for our warm-up chat, that is fine. And we will just bring her in for her questions as soon as that gets going. So you, you, know, you don't want you don't want to do like you don't want to do like pantomime questions for her. Like you can't hear well, us, but we'll do like, I don't know, whatever. It would be like our first episode with Audavita where Patty had to call Kristen Hanna on the phone and accept and hold it up to the screen. Me, I don't think we could even call her on the phone. Man, oh man. All right. Well, let's hope for the best. My my pantomime skills are not very good. So Sonali, Sonali Dev is a USA Today bestselling author of several novels, including Incense and Sensibility and The Emma Project. Her novels have been on Library Journal, NPR, Washington Post, and Kirkus's Best Books of the Year list. She has won the American Library Association's Award for Best Romance, is a Rita finalist, and has been listed for the Dublin Literary Award. I like that. The Dublin Literary Award. That would be Not a fun Dublin, one Georgia. I don't think it's Dublin. I know. I think it means the real Dublin, <laughs> which so. would be really what if, cool. What if it is Dublin, Georgia? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's either way. That's very cool. Yeah. But Sonali was named not only one of the best, but one of the bravest romance novelists working today by Shelf Awareness. She lives in the Chicago area with her husband to visit. Two visiting adult children. I was like, am I saying that right? Um, and the world's most perfect dog. Her new We're going to argue about this. <laughs> yeah, it was just released on December 1st. Sean, can you bring Sonali on? Hi, Hi everyone. Hi. 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 Thank you so much for coming and for joining us from Italy. Oh my goodness. Talk about interrupting your vacation. Um, tell us about your trip. What are you doing? Oh my gosh. It's been, it's, we've been here 11 days now and we leave tomorrow. And today was my last day. We basically um, went to Sicily and Sorrento and the Amalfi coast. And it's just been, I'm full of cannoli and pasta. <laughs> That sounds fantastic. We wish that we had come to Italy to <laughs> you. I think I would have loved that. You know, yeah. I mean, all of us, we've got to do that. We've got to do this girl's, you know, vacation. Yes. The entire time, it's just my husband and I. Uh, and this is, I think this is, I don't even remember the last time just the two of us went off somewhere for so long. And um, it's been great. We met we met uh, his brother for a few days with his new girlfriend, but it's been amazing. But I have been thinking, my gosh, I have to come back here with my girlfriends. <laughs> okay. I, love I hope that. we count. I hope Sign we count up. as girlfriends. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Well, ladies, Sonali's trip inspired me um, to ask all of you something. And listeners, please answer this in the comments, too, because we want to hear what you have to say. So some of us might have been traveling a lot this year. And for some of us, we might not have been traveling at all for years on end. So I thought it might be fun to give some suggestions of books that can take you on a vacation without ever leaving home. So ladies, I have a twofer for you. Um, one. What, which of your books do you think offers the best escape for readers? And two, what is one of your favorite books that takes you away to a wonderful place, either real or imagined? So um, we're going to, we're going to give our guest a minute to think about that. And MKA, we're going to let you go first. 
Well, you know, my novel, Beach Town, which came out a few years ago, it takes the reader from California to a fictional beach town in Florida. The protagonist is a movie location scout. So um, I had a great time reaching that, uh, researching that because I started in California and ended up um, in a town in a town called Cedar Key in the Florida Panhandle. So I think that book is a good escape. And since I love armchair travel books, I'd have to choose Peter Mail's A Year in Provence to take yeah. me to Provence to sip wine and eat cheese and fix up an old chateau or villa. God, that sounds funny. wonderful. Oh, that just made me like my <laughs> shoulders drop out of my... Like, oh. This is why we need escape books, right? Exactly, <laughs> yes. exactly. Um, okay, so for me, I think, um, you know, gosh, several of my, you know, many of my novels are set in France. So I suppose if you want a trip to France and not specifically to Provence, you might pick up one of my books. Um, you know, several of them are set in Paris, but I actually think that a really fun place to travel is the Champagne region. And that's something I tried to put into The Winemaker's Wife, which takes place in the Champagne region of France. Um, and, you know, and I think there's something really special about traveling to an area whose history you have learned and that you understand. I think that makes the travel that much richer. Um, and I'm just fascinated by the history of Champagne. So I might recommend of my books, The Winemaker's Wife. In terms of another book to recommend, I think I would choose, um, especially in honor of Sonali being in Italy right now, I think I would choose Lisa Scottolini's Eternal, which was set in Rome, or her upcoming Loyalty, which is set in Sicily, as books that will transport you entirely to a different place. Uh, nobody writes Italy like Lisa, and both of these books really just shine for their full immersion in the Italian culture. Love it. That's awesome. I mean, now I'm there. we went to Italy when the kids were young. Um, and it's a totally different experience when you're dragging around young kids. So sure. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of all the places now I want to see without, without doing that. There haven't been since I was like, I think a senior, like after my senior year of high school and it was with all of my friends. So you can imagine that was probably a different yeah. trip than I was taking <laughs> now. Would take it was fun, but in a very different way. <laughs> Well, I mean, everywhere we experience depends on the people, like if you're dragging little kids or you're in college or so, you know, you experience it differently, but for books, um, um, for a vacation, I'm, I might have to take out the word vacation, but if I'm thinking about one of my own books, mostly because I'm so deep inside it right now, but my new one, The Secret Book of Flora Lee takes you from Cape Cod, Massachusetts to the countryside in a small hamlet in England. And even though I don't think it's much of a vacation, it's definitely immersive. Um, if you love the British countryside or the beach, you know, a beach location. So I visited all the places in the book this summer and I, 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 the, the beauty of that place, I really hope it comes across in the pages because I'm struck again and again by its astounding kind of mystical beauty. Um, and then books I've read, I'm not sure that this counts as a vacation, but anything Philippa Gregory writes about old England and the Royals to me, I want to visit there. And you can't unless we had a time capsule machine. But for the right here, right now, I just read an advanced copy of a book by Adrian Brodeur called Little Monsters. That's not coming out till June. And it's set in Cape Cod. And I cannot even believe how I felt every nuanced part of that little arm-shaped um, 
part of Massachusetts. It was, <laughs> it was as if I was visiting. So. Oh, that's great. All right, Sonali, you're up. How's Our that? world traveler who inspired yeah. the question. <laughs> Take it away. Well, right now, I just don't want to leave Italy, but um, I think I have, you know, as escape goes, the vibrant tears, and I'm not, this is, it's, um, it, I actually wrote a lot of this book, The Family Hills from a part of India called Goa, which, um, you know, which is a beach town, which is, which has always been a little bit more uh, free and wild, um, and 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 kind of a confluence of uh, Roman Catholicism and Hinduism and Islam, like it's this this melting pot in terms of culture and food and all of that. But it's also our shoreline, so the Arabian Sea, and it is so. So there's it's it's even back when I was growing up and India was more traditional than it is now. You would find people, you know, in bikinis and laying on the beach. It was there was a lot of the hippie culture, and you know, it had this wonderful vibe even now like if you say goa to anyone who's been to india there's that instant kind of you know you just it's just the sun <sighs> and endless meals you cannot get a cup of coffee in less than half hour every meal takes <laughs> you know four hours so if you're in a hurry don't go to goa don't come to Italy, <laughs> but, but but so there's this wonderful sunshine ocean thing i think with um with the character Bindu in my book who kind of embodies her hometown in that way. And my grandmother is from there. And amazingly, uh, the last name of the characters in uh, The Vibrant Tears is Desai. And my um, my grandmother was, uh, that's her maiden name. So oh, there's fun. a lot of this whole uh, personal kind of thing and a lot of fish. Oh my gosh, I just want to eat, go and fish now. <laughs> so definitely, I think Vibrant Tears, although most of it is set in Naples, Florida, which is also beach and a whole different yeah, beach. Vibe, beautiful. But, uh, but yeah, doing research there was fun. It was completely different from what I expected. And, um, you know, it, it, it has this wonderful sparkling, uh, you know, beach towns in America have a whole different vibe than anywhere else in the world. You know, there's yeah. the, the, the lily, whatever stores and, you know, kind of you, <laughs> the, the outdoors the cafe kind of culture, but in a very American way. And that's really hard to explain until you have traveled to beach towns around the world. So I would say the vibrant years kind of, um, you know, these two whole different beach vibes. I, I think it does, uh, you know, it does well to juxtapose those um, on each other. And I, I, it was interesting when um, Kristen said uh, New England, because I think one of the people who really... Um, takes me there is Kristen Higgins. And I had actually, yeah. I was going to say a different book and I will say, um, because if you ask me about other people's books, I cannot say one <laughs> because where's the fun in that? But <laughs> but I think Kristen's um, Out of the Clear Blue Sky and every one of her, I, I think she does, um, she does detail uh, and she does culture in a way, you know, when people say culturally rich books, you kind of tend to think, um, you know, someone outside of um of the west but i think the best books for me even american uh, you know america set books are the ones that that make me feel like i have been inside of a culture because america has all these subcultures and new england is one of the richest you know most uh, identified 
identifiable subcultures in terms of how families interact and, you know, um, and of course the landscape and all that. And Chris, no one does that, I think, um, better than Kristen Higgins, where you actually feel like you're part of a New England family, you know, right from down from how they talk to each other and the, you know, the, the, the clenched, uh, <laughs> what is the word I'm looking for, way of um, showing emotion. Stiff upper lift. It, it's just so... Yeah. It's what? The stiff upper lip. It's very British. Very like, don't. <laughs> the stiffish, the stiffish upper lip. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I was going to say emotional constipation, but probably stiff upper lip is, <laughs> is a better. <laughs> is a better way of saying it. But that's so. So her, for I think the cultural immersiveness and. Um, and I mean, this is not so much a vacation thing, but if you're a Las Vegas kind of person, then uh, I think one of the most fun books I have read um, recently is Alicia Rai's Partners in Crime, which is a romp across uh, Las Vegas. So it's kind of the hangover meets Indian matchmaking, if you will. Oh. And it is just so much fun. So much fun. Oh, it sounds fun. That sounds awesome. I got to check yeah. that out. Um, you know, I, gosh, I could answer this question in like a million different ways. I'm like Sonali, but, um, the first thing that kind of came to mind was Ellen Hildebrand's The Hotel Nantucket, uh, which I'm sure a lot of you have read, but I just loved that book. I just felt like it totally took me to Nantucket and, um, like on a vacation, but it was like the fun parts too. And like the fun parts and the relaxing parts and kind of a sneak peek behind the scenes. And, um, anyway, I just thought that was like such a fun book and, and she writes Nantucket very well, of course, as someone yes, yeah, who lives course. there and knows so much about it. Um, and I was actually going to say something different for mine, but um, now that I really think about it, I got to say my forthcoming The Summer of Songbirds might be my best, like, take you away book because it's literally set at a summer camp, um, which is, yeah. you know, a pretty great escape. Um, and yeah, I can't wait to share that with y'all. But I really think like the larger, it's set at a summer camp, but I think the point and the hope is that it's a kind of story that makes you think about you know, that place for you when you were growing up, whether it's like, you know, a family beach trip that you went on or your grandparents' house or just anywhere that gave you those like fun summer memories, um, you know, no matter how big or how small. So hopefully people will feel like they're on a vacation when they read it. Yeah, we're all going to camp this summer. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Absolutely. <laughs> camp songbirds. <laughs> okay, so we've got so much to discuss with Sonali, but before we dive into her fabulous new book, The Vibrant Years, we want to remind you to visit our Friends in Fiction bookshop.org page where you can find Sonali's books and books by the four of us and all of our guests at a discount. By shopping from our bookshop page, you support local bookstores, your favorite authors, and Friends in Fiction all at the same time. Yep. All right. Well, Sonali, let's get to our questions for you. And we have quite a few. So we're excited to dive in. Okay. I'm going to start us off. You ready? So first, first and foremost, The Vibrant Years was the first, this is so cool. It was the first novel in Mindy Kaling's new imprint. Huge congratulations, Nelly. That is so cool. And when it was released, you were on Good Morning America talking with Mindy about it. And she was also sharing the news on The View and Drew Barrymore and so many amazing places. That must have been surreal for you. Can you tell us about the moment you found out and got the news? 
Absolutely. So yes, this has been, as you can imagine, you know, the 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 most exciting thing. I think I, I say this, you know, to my kids and my husband. I'm like, maybe have you know, giving birth and getting married might be up there, but this kind of <laughs> you know feels like a tie. Feels like a work. <laughs> Definitely, because this feels like something I've pined for and worked for much more than I had to for, you know, having kids or getting married, which was, you know, <laughs> it, you're supposed to do it. I did it. You know, what's the big deal? But this was something, if you had asked me last year, um, you know, what is the one thing that that you would like to happen for your career? I, I, I actually had a vision board with Mindy's picture on it, which is just the cheesiest, most ridiculous thing. But you know what? People who do vision boards, they work. So, so it was... It, it was amazing, awesome. and I um the, <laughs> the way I I found out was that my editor emailed me on a Thursday. You guys are going to love this <laughs> because she emails me on a Thursday and says something really fabulous has happened, but I cannot tell you about it until Monday. Can we meet on Monday? Oh, <laughs> it's like what? It's Thursday. What's no, wrong with you? And she she said, I'm so sorry, but I swear you're not gonna hate me on Monday. <laughs> so she and I was she, she's like, just know that if it was bad news, I wouldn't, you know, or if it was average news. And and man, the longest weekend of my life. And amazingly, <laughs> my daughter, uh, you know, I I I was fortunately driving to visit my daughter in college, and we were going to go to the Hasan Minaj, co- co- you know, um, comedy show. And I I always say that kind of Hasan held my hand until my, you know Mindy came along, which is and they're two of the biggest I think today South Asian entertainers. They've changed. Um, They've changed the landscape for South Asian, um, you know, storytellers and creators, and so it's it's kind of a really weirdly serendipitous thing that that happened in that one weekend. And so, so of course, when she uh, when that meeting happened with you know all of Mindy's people, Mindy wasn't there, but, you know, well, everyone from Mindy's book studio and my agent and my editor. This was the first time in my life that the entire call I couldn't make words. I was just, I was like, I, I can talk, guys. I usually can talk, but I couldn't say, I, I just couldn't, you know, I was so, it it was the most um, surreal thing. And uh, and I kept texting my agent even after and said, can they take it back? <laughs> so it was kind of, it, it was really, really lovely. And then since that, then it's just the whole thing has been such a ride. I got to meet Drew. I got to meet Mindy. Um, oh, and the whole so thing. I could, cool. spend, I could spend the entire hour talking about what meeting Drew Barrymore and Mindy Kaling is like. <laughs> but I won't do we'll it. We'll be here for it. It's been I know. Been I know. I know. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Christy. No, I was just going to say, I know I texted you this, but I think Mindy Kaling, I mean, she's like one of my absolute, like top favorite famous people. <laughs> like I have all yeah. of her books and like the Mindy Project's one of my favorite shows. So when I saw that, I was like, this is the greatest, craziest thing that's ever happened <laughs> in the world. I mean, it was just so incredible. Incredible. And, and I don't hear you, right? <laughs> say that again. I'm sorry. I... Did I, did I hear I you right? That you have... Yes, we're overlapping. Go ahead, Sonali. Go ahead. 
Yeah, no, I was going to say one last thing about the whole Mindy thing. And I think what you said, Christy, is exactly why I think that um, with Mindy, you know, I mean, I would have taken any celebrity uh, pimping my book, honestly, and anyone making a movie out of it, I would, you know, bring it on. I'm happy for it. But I think with Mindy specifically, I think as a as, because she's a writer and because I admire her writing so much, I think The Office, her stuff is absolutely brilliant. I think it kind of changed comedy. I think with her, you know, late night, um, you know, sex lives of college girls, all of that, the way that she mixes this this very vulnerable humor that comes from a place of emotion and place from where you have no, mm-hmm. um, you know, no shields. It's that, which is why, why it, it's, um, it's cringy, but in this wonderfully warm way, when the, the way she does that, I've actually, you know, analyzed it. Like I, I, I play those scenes and I see how she writes them. So I have done a lot of craft work with her work. So when it was her, it was just something completely, uh, you know, I have no words. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, well, let's talk about the book. In the vibrant years, Bindu, Ali, and Cully are just the wonderfulest trifecta. <laughs> and they make this multi-generational story burst with warmth and heart and humor. But something that really stood out to me is that Bindu is Ali's mother-in-law and her ex-mother-in-law at that which is somewhat unusual because we generally tend to see the mother-daughter stories. So why did you choose to write the story from this perspective? I think one of the, uh, the one of the reasons is in your question, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's very close to a mother-daughter relationship, you know, in terms of family, it's the next, it's, it's the next closest thing, and I feel like it doesn't get explored. I also have this theory that women, um, you know, that 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 society has kind of labeled us as pulling each other, you know, as as human crabs, right? We're supposed to pull each other down. We're supposed to kind of be snarky and negative with one another. And every single woman in my life, I wouldn't be who I am. I mean, you know, look at the four of you. It's our our female friendships is really what make us who we are, right? Our female relationships. And yet over and over again, we're expected to buy this lie that somehow we are against each other. And and I see this, um, my mother-in-law is as, um, as different a person from me as you can imagine. In terms of the opportunity she's had, the life she's had, um, she's a, my husband's from a much more traditional Indian family than I am. My mother-in-law has never worn anything but a sari. She sleeps in a sari. You know, if that gives you any, oh, wow. I, I don't know if that kind of gives you a cultural. So that is her comfort zone, right? She is. She she was born married into and has lived in a one kilometer radius her whole life. Wow. So um, it's it's this very specific kind of. Um, woman and yet she is one of the most badass women I know but in this really really soft way and so here is a person who had a very little overt voice very few opportunities in terms of you know making her own life and, and here is a person every single time I have an opportunity and I take it she says you better and what can I do to help so I, you know, I, I, it's amazing to me that, and it's not just my mother-in-law, my husband's also from a joint family. So 
my my the, it's my three mothers in law because my father in law and his two brothers and their wives are all my mothers in law right and all three yeah. women are exactly the same different personalities and the love and acceptance that i have gotten from them from day one has been incredible i wish i could just share it and i think the book is a way to share that now now bindu is much more like my mom in in personality but in relationship I, and my mother is like this with her uh, with my sister in law and so this i don't think we could be the women we are if past generations of women didn't weren't excited about about us having more than them which is an amazing thing when you consider it right that that we have so much more in terms of choice in terms of respect all of that right identity that our mothers and grandmothers didn't have and yet they literally have forced us to get it and taken joy from the thing they didn't have instead of trying to stop us and i kind of love to you know my my stories always i think go there and speak to that and so bindu just was going to be and i the dynamic of her son and her is also important to the book and that through the lens of her relationship you know with her daughter in law i i love how that worked for them yeah beautiful awesome. no Yeah, me too. I I just thought it was such an interesting perspective and I think you brought something really special to that relationship because I think a lot of times we read that sort of stereotypical like yeah. butting heads, my mother-in-law hates me, we don't get along, mm-hmm. blah blah blah. And this was just like it was just such a nice spin on that relationship and I think one of the things I loved most about this book was Bindu herself. I mean, she's certainly one of the oldest characters in the book, but she's probably the most to use your word vibrant. Um, and so just from, you know, her dating life to her general attitude, she just is someone who kind of radiates joy and positivity and all these amazing things. So what are you hoping that readers will take away from her character? I think for sure with her and anyone else I write, I think it's that sense that I'm okay exactly the way I am. It takes us mm. a long time to get there, right? For for and every yeah. one of us, um women especially, it takes us so long to figure out, my gosh, I'm fabulous and my life mm. is fabulous and everything I was told about what size I need to be, you know, how my house needs to look, what my children need to be like, what my cooking needs to be like, all of that was almost, you know, was a lie and for us to make our way around mm. being okay in our skin i think that's what i want you know always for for a person to get out of my books when you read my book i want you to get this renewed sense of joy in your own skin like i am okay um more than even the i'm enough which is a much more you know uh meme thing to say but but the fact that i'm okay you know i'm i'm great the way i am which doesn't mean that regret isn't real which doesn't mean that you know i haven't made mistakes but it's not the end no matter what age i am yeah, i can set that, that straight so this book is so much about fomo right i i say f o h m o in the book all the time fear of having missed out and i think one of the things <sighs> through our bindu's journey was that you know for us to feel like um we all have fear of having missed out but it's not too late i mean you you know it's yeah. it's not too late you can do it now oh, this is actually like a life coaching session that we didn't know we I needed know. I know. 
I really love that. What a great moral to the story and just what a great message that I think, um, and what a great message to hear, especially at the beginning of the new year, when we can kind of set our new intentions and set the new things that we're hoping for our lives, just to be reminded of that. I, I, I That's perfect, Sonali. Thank you for sharing that. Um, you know, I also wanted to ask you about your four novels before the vibrant years, which were retellings of classic novels featuring the Rajes. A fa- Did I say that right? The, the Raj- Rajes? <laughs> Sorry. A, a family, okay. <laughs> a family of Indian immigrants with delectable stories. So um, I imagine that a retelling is different in a lot of ways from writing a novel like The Vibrant Years, because while you have a lot of freedom and you certainly put very much your own touch on it, you were also sort of sticking to a script of sorts because you had the framework of those retellings. But what made you decide to veer away from that family and those retellings? And for you, how was writing The Vibrant Years different after those four books? I love that question. <laughs> and um, and I think the thing for me um, is, you know, we, we were talking about kind of marching to your own drum, right? Even yeah. when I came up with the Rajas, I had always envisioned four books because I have four favorite Jane Austen novels. And, uh, you know, uh, don't hate me for this. Don't at me. Uh, but the other two don't exist for me. So, so my four favorites were always the four I was going to retell. And I knew this going in. And and there were, there were times when I was told maybe, you know, cut one down, let's do three. And I was like, no, I'm doing these for I'm doing them exactly like this so I always knew but also to me they were never retellings they were they were they were homages to the stories I I learned from reading Jane Austen right so it was it was always it was to me always because I I I blame Jane for who I am you know when my husband and I fight I'm like take it up with Jane (laughs) <laughs> and it's so, so she made it okay for me to be who I am very young I read her That's in middle awesome. school and and she kind of set the tone for uh, me being okay with myself and uh, because she was the first time I read female characters who kind of could uh, you know who, who had self-worth who asked for things didn't die because of it but got them you know the kind of stuff we weren't seeing in other classics and books so so I was always going to write those books my way I wasn't even I kind of had very general uh, themes that I wanted to highlight but it was always my book so it it never felt different uh, in that way because I was never trying to hit points or I was never trying to the seed came from Jane and uh, the rest of it came from Sonali (laughs) you know not to talk (laughs) about myself in third person but um but but so it wasn't that different because I knew just the basics were going to be that and the rest of the story was mine, if that makes sense. Yeah. It does. So okay, what's, your, yeah. what's your problem with Mansfield Park? Uh, oh my God. <laughs> what book is that again? <laughs> Who wrote that? Who you wrote never heard of that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, Sonali, I want to tap back to something that kind of got buried when we first started talking because you rushed right over it, but I've been sitting here wondering about it. And that is your vision board. And you said Mindy was on your vision board, which is so fascinating because we talk about that all the time and we talk about making intentions and we use the kind of vague word manifestation but dang girl, you did it. So I want to hear about your vision board and um, how you use that. Talk talk to us. 
you know, it, it's it's so nebulous, right? It's so intangible, and yet it's so tangible because I mean, it. I I can't imagine that. And we've all. I'm I'm sure you've all done this and felt it, but but I do believe that when you genuinely ask the universe for something, it's um. You know, I mean, I. It's amazing. And I think setting an intention has to do with the effort then you put into it. Like once you've stated something, your own behavior and your own attitude changes. So there is a science to it. It's not quite so much as, oh, universe, I want $10 million and, you know, and then I'm going to take a nap and it's going to happen. Not quite like that. But over and over again, I think in my life, I've seen this happen. Anderson's bookstore is our neighborhood bookstore. So it's, it's you know, it's like 10 minutes uh, walking from my home. It was on our way to the library. Every time I passed it, some huge big name author was signing there because they've had everyone from, you know, every author you can think of a sign there. And every time I passed and the sign was up, I used to actually touch their wall, display, their window display and kind of... I'm like rub off on me, rub off on me. This was before I was published. So, so Anderson's was my live vision board. You know, and I was like, someday I'm going to sign here. They've done every one of my signings, you know, and it's, it's so it's, and this was pre before I was even published. And this was even before I finished my first novel. So there's something to it, I think. And, and, I actually was on the. I've never said this publicly. I don't say you guys get uh, get this. Um, We're pulling it out of you. Wait, <laughs> but I was. I I was actually on the phone with my agent, and um, you know, it's 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 been a journey as it has been for all of us, right? You know how hard we work and how much off, um, um, how much you have to hustle in this business. And I will go out and say it's harder to do it, um, you know, when you're an author of color because there's really no comps. When my first book came out, there was nothing that looked like it on the shelves. No one knew where to shelf me. No one knew what, you know, it was, we, we've all, and it's not just me, it's everybody else, um, you know, who's, um, an author of color who's kind of literally been part of this change paradigm shift in publishing right and it's been a very very strange um we have you know um bruises on our heads from banging banging against that um glass wall brick brick wall glass brick wall and and so having said all of that i'm on the phone with my agent saying come on you know what is it going to take you know why does it you know why what am I gonna and she said to me she said you know at this point it almost feels like all success you've got uh oh my gosh she's gonna kill me for saying this but I'm saying it um you know it's almost like you want um a a big name you know some teenager with a million following on TikTok to fall in love with your book or you need a celebrity to get behind it there you and go. But then why doesn't a celebrity come to my, you know, pick exactly. up my book? <laughs> the words. So, um, so, so I am intentional. I also have ever, all my life, and certainly from the time that I got serious about publishing uh, and being published, it, at the start of every year, I will write down a list of all the things I hope to accomplish. Sometimes it happens that year. Sometimes it's happened, you know, five years later. But my intention, if I clarify it, it's easy for me. I love follow. that. That's yes. so great. Yeah. Great. Well, Sonali, that is so interesting. I know we're all like, take, we we all feel the same. So we we really understand what you're saying. Um, but if you wouldn't yeah. mind just 
sticking around for another minute. Um, we have more to talk to you about, but just a couple announcements first. Okay, quickly, before we get back to Sonali, and I'm sitting here thinking about my vision board, like in the back of, and we talked a lot about intentions last week, Sonali. So like it, it, there is, it, it, and you're right, it's not saying them and then sitting back like, oh, let me see if a celeb calls me. But like it, it, sets, it sets in you the intention to do the work that might make that happen. And, and I, I love that. So um, meanwhile, we have so much great news about our four releases this year. It's not next year anymore. It's this year. All four of us have a book coming out this year. And we are going to be doing five, at least, we might add some more, live Friends and Fiction events. The first one will be in Columbus, Ohio on April 26th. And there is information about that. It's on our website, right? Or just on our Facebook page. We'll make sure it gets on our website. We'll, we'll make sure to get it on. I'm, I, I couldn't swear that it's on our website. Yeah, it'll be there. But it's going to be an amazing event in, in Columbus, Ohio at the library. And then we have a live launch event for the launch of my new book on May. And so on May 1st, we are all going to be in Charleston together at the historical Riviera Theater. The VIP tickets are nearly sold out, which is crazy. So put it on your calendar now. And the ticketing link is live on Buxton Books website. And I'm hoping that any second we get to talk about Kristen's launch, which will be in June, and Christy's launch in July, and Mary Kay's for her Christmas book next September. We don't have a date yet, but of course, we're all going to be there. So stay stay tuned for details. Stay tuned. You will not want to forget also about the Friends in Fiction official book club with Brenda and Lisa, a.k.a. PB&J. That's a lot of initials there, a.k.a. <laughs> yeah. They host authors for monthly chats. They also have regular happy hours with our Writer's Block podcast host, Ron Block, and they keep everybody in the loop about suggested reads in upcoming releases. So join them on January 23rd when Zibby Owens will be there to discuss her memoir, Bookends. All right, Sonali, we have one last question for you. Can you give us any hints about what you're working on next? Yes, <laughs> because... <laughs> Because my first couple of days in Italy were actually finishing up uh, the final edits and sending oh, wow. them in. So yeah, my, the, you know that that time when the book is like boiling in your head. My first week here was I was still kind of purging that. So the next one is a story of um, of of a friendship breakup. So I think again we we. We, we get to talk so much about romantic uh, estrangement and romantic breakups, but I think female friendships are are, are are true soulmates. I'm so glad my husband is not here hearing all of this. <laughs> but I do think that, um, you know, that that um, when when your girl friendships break up, the toll of that, you know, is is. Um, it's almost in some ways more um, more painful, but this is a story of um, of of two friends whose friendship breaks up over a surrogacy arrangement um, that kind of doesn't go as they planned it. And uh, twenty seven years after the child was born, and it's been twenty seven years since they've talked. Um, she finds out through a DNA test that um, that something happened that I don't know about and follows it. And it's kind of this, I think, 
beautiful love story between two women and oh, um and, and you know how much they gave and what it took from them wow yeah, oh, i got chills do you have a title finale yes am i allowed to tell you yes i think i am <laughs> it's lies and other love languages oh, oh that's I beautiful that. that's great gorgeous y'all hear you heard it here first y'all <laughs> <laughs> always breaking news right here always <laughs> all right well thank you so much Sonali for visiting with us all the way from Italy we absolutely um, had the best time with you and we cannot wait for everyone who has not yet read the vibrant years to pick up a copy from our bookshop.org page or wherever they buy their books thank you thanks have thanks, a good Sonali. night Thanks, thanks Nolly. Thank you for coming. So fun. Thanks. Bye. What a pleasure you are. Good night. Eat some, eat some cannoli for us. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and pasta. And pasta. All right, everybody. Don't forget that you can find all of our back episodes on YouTube. We're live there every week, just like we are on Facebook. And if you subscribe, you won't miss a thing. Tune in next Wednesday when we will be joined by Laura Zygman and El Casamano. Have a great night. Good night, y'all. Everyone. Thank you for tuning in. You can join us every week on Facebook or YouTube, where our live show airs on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Also, subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram. We're so glad you're here. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.